Hello and welcome to Seals Pod. We are here today with one of the big acquisitions of the summer and one of the biggest reasons for Seals fans to be excited. Uh, free agent signee and new Seals forward Kevin Crowley. Kevin, how are you today? Doing great, man. Enjoying the sunshine in San Diego here. So you came out to uh, kind of get your feet wet in San Diego as a SEAL. You've obviously been here before, but uh, you know, how's the trip been? What are some of the things you've been doing? Yeah, I've been, uh, I mean, a lot of media appearances, which is great. It's always fun when you move to a new market to, you know, get to know the, you know, the media people. Um, and they play such a pivotal role in, you know, the success of the franchise and putting fans in the seat. So it's always good to meet those people. I uh, got a uh, little bit of golf in yesterday and went and watched the Padres game for the Dodgers. So that was really cool. So been enjoying my time here so far. Very cool. So let's go back and give San Diego fans a little bit more of your history. You're from New, West, New Westminster, BC. Did you have a stick in your hand right away? Did you hockey to lacrosse? What was your you know kind of journey as a young lacrosse player in BC? Yeah, so in my hometown, New Westminster, uh, kind of playing lacrosse is what you do. So hockey in the winter, lacrosse in the summer when they melt the ice out of the rink. So that's kind of like the routine or, you know, how you grow up. Um, my grandpa introduced me to the sport. He used to play in the 1950s. Uh, so, you know, it's a generational sport for my family. Uh, yeah, I went to New Westminster Secondary School. I got a scholarship to play at Stony Brook University in Long Island. Um, I actually did a year in between at Simon Fraser University and played club lacrosse there, uh, which not a lot, not a lot of people know about. Um, and it, yeah, four years at Stony Brook, then got drafted to Philadelphia in the uh, indoor league and uh, Hamilton in the outdoor league. So you've got a pretty prolific field career on top of everything you've done in box. Uh, when did you start playing field and you know kind of that whole transition? Yeah, I didn't start. I probably played box lacrosse since I was five, and I didn't start playing field till I was probably 10 years old. And it was when guys started to go away to school and then come back to Vancouver. You know, we knew what field lacrosse was, but we were basically playing box lacrosse on a field uh, without the direction. And then we had a couple coaches come back and teach us how to play field lacrosse. Um, and it's funny, I think about we were in Baltimore for a, a school trip, and we had like New Westminster field lacrosse on the back of our of our hoodies and stuff and and people in baltimore were like what's field lacrosse like you know because lacrosse was lacrosse to them so kind of an interesting you know what the traditional american you know lacrosse is versus you know what we know in canada and with that i'm always curious uh, with a lot of the canadian guys the recruitment and you know how do you pick stony brook were there a lot of options for you with american colleges uh what intrigued you and what was that process like yeah, it was, you know, it's pretty unfamiliar with the process because not a lot of players from Canada had gone down to the States yet and had come back and kind of shared the pathway, right? And that's, you know, something that's a big focus of mine moving back to Vancouver uh, from Philadelphia when we started our company, Fusion West Lacrosse there, was like kind of bridging the gap from the East Coast to the West Coast um, and teaching these kids what they need to do to get recruited because, you know, I was, you know, when I was getting recruited, it was the days of, cds you had to send your tape in like you know physically mail your tape into a coach um and part of it i remember emailing like maryland they're like hey interested in your resume do you have game film and i was like i don't have game film no one's ever filmed a game of mine before so uh you know the uh for me growing up and like not knowing i was like okay i want to probably go to california or florida because those are awesome destinations so i was emailing whittier college and st leo's in florida 
A um, couple buddies I had were at uh, Bellarmine in Kentucky, so their coach made me an offer to go there. Um, my One of my sister's friends, she's two years older than me, Jordan McBride, ended up going to Stony Brook University and, and telling them about me. So I have like an unconventional recruiting pattern and um, you know, I was happy to have four years at Stony Brook and be in New York, which is very cool. Were there any West Coast guys? I mean, here at the Seals, we know Brody Merrill. He went to Georgetown, Patrick. Merrill played in the States as well. Uh, were there West Coast guys that you saw and, you know, kind of wanted to follow their path? Or were you, you know, I don't want to say a trailblazer because it's just going to college, but were you one of the first guys to kind of really make that on the West Coast? Of yeah, I think, uh, you know, I think like a, a Jordan Hall was definitely someone. He plays for uh, Georgia Swarm. He was uh, from Surrey, so right over the bridge from me. And he went to Delaware University. Um, and came back, was running camps and stuff. So he was someone I definitely looked up to and got the chance to play with. Um, but I think, you know, kind of like Curtis Dixon and I's era of going down to the States for school was like the really the jump start of, you know, I'm not going to say that we were the ones who pioneered or were trailblazing it, but it was like Don't be shy. we had we had we were very successful. And if you looked at like the top 10 scores in the NCAA, it was like all Canadian guys. So I think there was a huge influx of Canadians going to school, uh, you know, after our generation or era of lacrosse players that went down there. For sure. And, you know, Westberg uh, is that next generation. You know, he goes to DU, wins a national championship there. And I think probably show American colleges that these Canadian players can really make an impact in the game. Yeah, they were, you know, I think every college team at some point was like, we need to get a Canadian on our roster, right? And, you know, since then, the game's changed incredibly, you know, much faster, more more competitive in the United States. So, you know, tougher to get scholarships with uh, the amount of players who are playing. So, you know, the days of the crease finisher, the Canadian crease finisher is, uh, you know, it's not really – uh, you know, you need to have that athletic part of your game to be able to compete in the, you know, NCAA nowadays. So, obviously, growing up as a box player, the NLL was probably more of an ultimate goal than a lot of the other lacrosse ambitions. Take me back to draft day, Philadelphia, you get selected, you know. What was that experience like? Yeah, it was very cool. Um, traveled out to Toronto for my draft, and uh, and when I went to Philadelphia, so it's Philadelphia essentially told me there it was like they had the first pick then it was Rochester then it was Colorado and Philadelphia was like well you have to move here if we pick you and you know I didn't know much about Philly Colorado was closer on the west coast to home so that would have been a cool spot didn't want to risk going number two to Rochester uh you want to hang in Las Vegas <laughs> no unfortunately uh so I ended up moving to Philly and it was you know was an awesome lived there for nine years so uh that was very cool but you know, draft day, guy I looked up to, you know, two guys, Dan Dawson and Brody Merrill uh, were there at the draft. So I got a picture with those two guys. And as a young Canadian coming up, uh, you know, you knew those guys' names. And I got to play against them in the 2009 Man Cup, uh, which is a crazy experience in my hometown. We unfortunately lost in Game 7. But, you know, now to play with Brody again, you know, started my rookie, my career with Brody. And now to... Uh, you know, to be on the seals with him is something very special to me. Yeah, as we kind of progress through your career, I definitely want to touch on that. But first, you're in Philly. You establish roots. You move there. And a big part of your career has been in Philly. So I'm guessing you've got some pretty strong affection to that city and living situation. Yeah, it's, uh, you know, it was uh, 
I still have my company out there. We started Fusion Lacrosse in 2013, so that was like my full time job. And then playing lacrosse was obviously, you know, something you did on the weekends. So, uh, you know, that still is like my tie to Philadelphia. But not having a house there or traveling there, it's still kind of, you know, sinking in that. Uh, you, know, you do the media appearances here. Like I knew all the media in Philadelphia, right? They were actually like consider them friends of mine. So, um, new chapter, but you know, it's definitely one that's very exciting. And we've seen a lot of stability in the league now with franchises settling into locations, but you're a part of a move. Philly moves to New England, uh, a, a place where you'd establish yourself. And that's obviously a very unique situation. It doesn't happen a lot in sports. You know, what was that situation like for you going from Philadelphia to New England? You know, a very different situation going out to uh, play for the Black Wolves. Yeah, it was, uh, we found out the team was moving in 2014, and I was at the World Games, actually, uh, in Denver um, with Mr. Berg, Mr. Merrill. Uh, and, uh, yeah, so I, w- I remember being at that event, and then I got traded that. So I was, there was a, in the MLL Florida launch I was playing for at that time, they had a game against Denver on the Sunday, so the championship was on Saturday, and that game was on the Sunday. Funny story about Cam maybe not the right time to tell it but he played on the Sunday after the Saturday game because he was on the uh the outlaws and I remember they like called him in the morning they're like we need you to play and I don't think we had slept that night because we were celebrating our championship so Cam went out there I think he actually had a pretty good game but I got traded from Florida during the tournament so like I had my Florida launch bag expecting to play on Sunday and I got traded and then I found out that same week that the wings were moving to New England so it was you know kind of a whirlwind uh, event, uh, you know, with everything that was going on in my lacrosse career, I knew nothing about Mohegan Sun. I knew nothing about, um, you know, that whole area of Connecticut. So it was interesting. It was sad, but you know, it was almost in Philadelphia. You could see the writing on the wall from, you know, the past three seasons I had been there. Then as you progress, you're, uh, an interesting move in your career, especially where you ended up now, you get traded to Toronto, kind of a, a deadline acquisition as they're probably trying to make a playoff push. And you play with some really important people that are either coaches or teammates. Now you play with Patrick Merrill, you play with Brody Merrill and especially Josh Sanderson, who's now your offensive coordinator. Take me back to what it was like. He was later in his career, but still producing and, you know, goals, but tons of assists, just a playmaker. What was it like playing with shooter? Yeah, it was awesome. I mean, you know, anytime you get to play with again, another legend of the game. And I go back to that 2009 man cup, excuse me. I played with, uh, you know, played against Brody, Dan shooter and got to see these guys. Colin Doyle was on that team too. So he was on Toronto as well. Uh, playing with these legends of the game. Our season was so bad for new England. I think we were like, you know, I think they ended four and 14 in the season. Uh, the way the schedules worked, Toronto had 15 games already under their belt, so there was only three games to make. So when I got traded to Toronto at the trade deadline, <clears throat> excuse me, the uh, I was like going up for practices on Tuesday, but I had coaching responsibilities at a high school in Philly, so I'd like drive, like fly to Buffalo, drive over, practice Tuesday night, fly back home on Wednesday morning, like coach, and then on Thursday because there was three Friday games. I think I was going back up to Toronto on for those Fridays, and like so, I was doing that routine for a month basically, just trying to get like familiar with the team because we had a shot. You know, they were the best team in the league at the time, um, so it was great to play with those guys. Obviously, learned a lot, and you know, it was still younger in my career. So anytime you get to play with veterans like that, you got to soak it up and and be a sponge. 
Uh, it was they were you know had committed their season to Terry Sanderson and you know uh, his passing uh, and he was so uh, had such an integral part in that franchise. Um, so to come into that and I didn't I had never met Terry before, but you know to be a part of you know you felt like you were playing something for something bigger than the game of lacrosse. So that was very cool to be in Toronto for that experience. And when you're playing with Patrick, who will eventually become your head coach, do you see in him? probably leadership qualities, things that eventually will make a head coach? Yeah, yeah. You know, one thing is the fire in him, you know. Uh, both those Merrills are quite feisty individuals. and In different know, ways, though, right? Yeah, uh, yeah, for sure. And I think, uh, you know, it's, it's – you have coaches that, you know, you – there's some coaches you don't vibe with or whatever, but there's, and there's some coaches you would run through a brick wall for. And there's coaches you'd run through, you know, maybe some drywall for, you know, but like I, I know Patrick and, you know, I consider him a friend of mine and, and shooter as well. Two guys that I would absolutely run through a brick wall for. So, you know, it's important to, you know, to me to get to have this kind of full circle experience with Brody and, and Patrick and shooter. So it's going to be a good season. So then following that, you get traded back to New England. What were the circumstances around that? Because obviously that's kind of odd that you go there, go for a playoff run, and then you're back to the team you started. Yeah, so I remember talking to the coach after the game. It was The right side was Hickey uh, and Hellyer and I, and he's like, you know, the future looks bright for Toronto and having you three guys there. Um, but they wanted me to move up to Toronto to be able to make the practices on the Tuesday uh, that I was commuting up there for. We had our company in Philadelphia. You know, I was coaching high school there, and I was. They didn't really have a game plan for employment for me up in Toronto, so I didn't want it. Like I was kind of at the age where I was like, I don't want to just sit around and do nothing. Um, so they traded me back because I didn't want to live up there, and um, you know, so I was fortunate to have a run with Toronto and get to experience that, and then it was back to New England. You play with New England, probably you know a little bit of ups and down there, but then you finally do get back to Philadelphia. Um, as they are a brand new expansion team, what was that like getting back to this place where you had set roots and you know a very exciting new franchise? Yeah, it was honestly very unsettling because uh, I had led the league in scoring the year before, so I was holding out for a better contract um, and uh, just fair market value, I would say. Um, so you know, I knew they were going to trade me. I had missed three games of the season already. Uh, I didn't know where they were going to trade me to, though. So uh, it was very unsettling, like, month, you know, when they were doing their negotiations, whoever they were talking to. Um, and, I like, part of me was, like, I could, I could be going to a Western team and I could be, like, you know, out of Philadelphia. So it was pretty crazy, um, you know, that, that month, like I said, very unsettling. But I remember heading to practice. We had a box cross practice with our kids in Philly and, like, getting the call from Rich Lisk. He's like, hey – you got your wish. We're trading you back to, to Philly, and then I got to go share it with all my, uh, with all the kids that I was coaching and the parents and that, and everyone was pretty, jacked up. So it was, uh, you know, I was glad it all worked out. Um, you know, who knows if I had gone to a Western team, if I'd still have been in Philadelphia for the past three seasons. So, uh, I mean, like living in Philadelphia. So, yeah, that's the, uh, that's the story on that. No, that's a cool experience to to share that with some youth players and people that had a connection to you. Uh, talk about that Philly, that second Philly or the last Philly experience. You go, you come in as a, with a, 
new franchise and expansion team, it's always going to be a little rough. San Diego had a little bit of success that year. Um, but, you know, you're playing with Matt Rambo, who's never really played box. You're playing with some younger players. Uh, what was that expansion experience like for you? Um, very exciting. You know, I think they were having living in the market and not having a team there, I think was tough for the Philadelphia sports fans, especially the the diehards that, you know, were so loyal to the franchise. Um, going playing with Matt Rambo, you know, unbelievable skill set, obviously very successful in the field game. And there's, you know, a lot of field players who were kind of transitioning to the box game there. I just would, you know, the, the franchise, it was night and day from the end of the old era of uh, the Philadelphia Wings to having the Comcast ownership or the Flyers owner ownership. Um, you know, the way I walked into there, I felt like, you know, we were just treated so professionally and, and you know, it was such, a, like I said, a night and day experience from what I had experienced the first time um, with the Wings. Uh, and then getting to, you know, I'd lived there for another three years now. I met so many people through, you know, my coaching and the just being out in the public, you know, uh, as you do in, in a market, living in a market. So I remember running around like on the first game and getting out there and the standing ovation and seeing all the like the familiar faces on the other side of the glass uh, was something that was really cool. One of the one of the games that season was a very important moment for the Seals as well. Philadelphia's in town playing San Diego. It's a St. Patrick's Day theme. The, the Seals are in green uniforms. And uh, the Seals actually had a pretty big comeback on you guys. And that was a moment for San Diego to kind of see the excitement of the NLL and what can happen and, you know, goal runs and things like that. What do you remember from that game kind of being on the other side of it? Um, trying to think, honestly. Uh, I remember I turned the ball over at the end of the game. I sailed one into the crowd. It was so freaking hot in that arena. My gloves were sweating. I couldn't even hold on to my stick, making excuses for myself. I took a penalty on Cam Holding. I smoked him, kind of blindsided him. Probably cost us the game. I was a bad, a, not a timely penalty on my part. But, you know, it was the first time playing in San Diego and getting to experience an outdoor, you know, an outdoor practice facility in the sport. You know, I've been around here a long time. Uh, and haven't seen anything like that. So it's just a cool experience, you know, and getting to rip around on the scooters around San Diego, like that was new for us all too. Um, so, yeah, it's a, it's an awesome that San Diego is in the league. I think it's, you know, every time I come down here, I'm usually staying a week or two. So uh, to be down here full time now is awesome. That was definitely a big year one activity for the visiting teams was the, the rental scooters were a big deal back then and everybody would rip around town on those things. And uh, I don't think we ever heard of any major accidents, but uh, we were always like, oh man, that's a little, a little, little sketchy. Yeah. I mean, I, you know, I was ripping around on one last night. I don't, can't say I feel completely comfortable being that close to traffic, but you know, I guess people are respectful more so than if I was in Philadelphia, probably we wouldn't even have scooters on the road. <laughs> Yeah, the little different atmosphere uh, on the east uh, as opposed to the west. With Philadelphia, you know, you struggle a little bit year one, as is expected with an expansion team, but then make a lot of progress into year two. You know what? I think when people hear about how well you get treated in certain franchises, it draws more players to that, right? And, uh, you know, the, the, the opposite's true too, right? And, uh, you know, the more I've been in the league, the more I appreciate, you know, the – 
franchises that treat their players professionally because then I can just focus on being a, uh, you know, I'll, I'll focus on my game and, and, you know, showing my best on the floor, knowing that everything else is taken care of. Um, and, you know, that's what Philadelphia uh, had. And I think, you know, that word got around the league, so we were able to pick up some free agents. I think year older, year wiser, uh, that always helps out. And, you know, talk about first-class organizations, you know, ever since I signed with the Seals, everyone's been great here. You know, I got my, my gear package shipped up to me, which was cool, so I got to rep the Seals up in, uh, in home in, at home in Vancouver. And, you know, it's just little things like that that make such a big deal in, in what I would call, like, a, you know, I don't want to say a fringe sport or a niche sport, but, you know, a sport that's up and coming and, and is almost set to take off. To close out the Philadelphia chapter of this conversation, I want to talk about, you know, probably an iconic play, something that is just one of the most impressive things I've ever seen. Uh, you know, you can set it up a little, but, you know, you're going down the floor, going down the middle, you take a pass, and you catch it somehow behind your head and still have the wherewithal to, to finish, stay out of the crease and score. You know what? I'm going to say that, I did practice it and everyone's like, there's no way you practice it. But like, if you're ever bouncing the ball on the boards and you like hit the uh, floor first and then hit it off the wall and then come back, like working on catching it behind your back. Some one of these, my, uh, my uncle played lacrosse and one of his friends, I remember he always has a lacrosse stick in his car. So I was like walking down the street, going to the box one day and we were having a catch and he'd like showed me a behind the back catch for the first time. And he's like, Oh, here's how you practice it in the box. It's like, you're never going to know when you're going to need it. They're probably 20 years ago. Um, so we were shorthanded. Uh, I was cut in the middle on one of the Vancouver defenders and Josh Currier lobbed a ball up in the air. And, um, yeah, it was just like, it was kind of behind me. It was kind of like there was, if I dropped it, whatever, it was the end of the clock. So it was, you know, didn't, there was no serious repercussions going to come from trying something new. Uh, and yeah, luckily I, uh, I caught it there and, and I don't think that clip gets passed around if I didn't score. So very fortunate, uh, Mr. Penny let me uh, tuck that one in on him. Well, let's a, let's a strong word. I mean, that was it's truly one of the most remarkable feats I've seen. You know, that was that was incredible. Just as you said, preparation. You never know what you got to be ready for, and you know, you'd practiced it and and made an incredible play that's going to get seen for you know decades literally i mean that's going to be one of the highlights that everybody looks at when they see nll highlights you know whenever there's a new team in town they're going to show them the best plays and that's going to be in it yeah i appreciate that it's uh one of the cool experiences was gary gate was uh in town because it was a usa lacrosse festival that weekend in philly so there was all sorts of like legends of the game there and gary gate someone that i looked up to got the was fortunate to play for him in hamilton um, and he's like, you know what, I've, after the game, we were at the bar. He's like, I've done a lot of things in my career, but I've never done that. And that was, uh, you know, that was something that was really cool. Uh, sticks out to me and something I'll never forget. So you get to this summer, you get past this uh, most recent season. And I, I think this is the first time in your career where you're truly an unrestricted free agent. You're going to get to make every decision for your, your career. What was your initial thought process on what you wanted to do for your career? Yeah, the, uh, you know, I wasn't opposed to going back to Philadelphia. Um, you know, it's that city's been so good to me. The fans have been so good to me. Um, you know, logistically, having my company in Vancouver uh, and what I'm trying to do for the sport in Vancouver and British Columbia in general, 
Uh, it would have been very tough to be commuting on um, the weekends. I mean, I did it last year, last season, at the end of the season. I lived in Philly for the first two months because we had like something like seven or eight home games of our nine in the first two months. That was uh, a wild schedule yeah. for you guys. Yeah. Unbelievable. Yeah. It was, and then, you know, COVID was hitting, so I limited my travel. I was living with Blaze Reardon in Philly, and then I was commuting from Vancouver from then on out because our lacrosse programming started with Fusion West up in uh, Vancouver there. So, like, trying to get to Albany from Vancouver was, you know, an absolute nightmare. So, you know, flying to the East Coast obviously was tough, but I love Philadelphia. Um, and, you know, I, I want to, I don't know, almost solidify my legacy there. Um, you know, and I, uh, I want to, you know, wanted to, it's just tough because, you know, again, it goes back to logistically at this point in my career and want to start like putting roots down. I kind of feel like I lived in a fantasy world in Philadelphia. Uh, you know, I had awesome people knew what the Philadelphia wings were in the market, you know, and that held some weight. And again, going back to like a niche sport, like lacrosse, um, to be able to have that kind of clout in the community, it's something very special. Uh, unfortunately, I mean, fortunately, fortunately, ugh, tough to say that, you know, they signed Joey Rez for a three-year deal. Um, and, you know, if I was to sign in Philly, I probably would have only signed for a year. Uh, so they get a first-team All-Pro for the next three years. And, you know, I probably would have been expensive and, and there for one year. Um, so didn't end up working out which was kind of like, you know, bittersweet for me. It kind of gave me that release. Like, you know, I wanted to be in Philly, but it's like, now you don't have to be. So you can go and, you know, do what's best for, A, it's going to help the company to be on the West Coast, um, and B, you know, less travel on my body, uh, which is going to help for the duration of the season. Uh, so I was talking to a couple different teams. I mean, Vancouver, you know, you talk about growing up and having the NLL in my backyard with the Vancouver Ravens. I uh, used to cut out all these newspaper articles from them and put them on my wall. I thought it was so cool uh, to be able to watch those games. So, you know, I seriously considered Vancouver, but what it came down to was the the players on San Diego um, and the winning pedigree that they have. There's just a bunch of winners on this roster, and that's something that, you know, with Brody and him being at the tail end of his career, with Patrick, with Shooter, and all these guys like wanting to, you know, I want to win one with those guys. Uh, we were close in 2015 with Toronto, um, and you know, and that's what I'm here to do, right? Is we want to win a championship, and San Diego gave me that, you know, best best opportunity at least on paper, right? So, we we talked to Patrick Merrill last week, just recapping the draft and the off season and asked him, you know, obviously you wanted to strengthen the right side on the offense, but, you know, it was probably Curtis or you. You know, when did you talk to Curtis much? Did you guys say, hey, this might be kind of cool to play together. This this team's had a great season. They're, they're on this cusp. We can make a difference. You know, what was that dynamic like for both of you guys to come to this team? Yeah, well, I was, you know, I know Curtis had a great run in Calgary, and I'm sure, you know, as I feel my loyalty to Philadelphia, he feels uh, it in Calgary. And, you know, he won one in Calgary, and we didn't win in Philadelphia. And that's, you know, one thing that I wanted to bring those fans. Uh, like I said, they were so good to us. And, um, you know, it's it's sad that we never got that opportunity. It's probably why I was drawn to sign there again. But Curtis and I have grown up uh playing against each other, playing with each other. Uh, you know, I have the, he's one of my favorite lacrosse players I've ever played with. Um, 
and got to see play. You watch the stuff he does. It's ridiculous, you know. Um, and he's been doing it since he was a little kid. Like, I can't – he used to wear soccer socks in, in box lacrosse, which is wild. Uh, and he was this scrawny little ginger running around there. But he, he put the ball in the back of the net. And I think, you know, from ever since we were like five years old, he's still been, you know, one of the best players. Uh, and now he's, you know, solidified his legacy as one of the best players to ever play the game. Um, so we're, we've always been good friends. We played on a couple of Team Canada's together. And uh, so I was texting him, actually. like kind of called him, texted him, seeing where he was sitting. He's like, you know, I knew that he was drawn to uh, sign with Calgary again. But, you know, when I made my decision with San Diego, I texted him. I said, come on, Kurt, come help me win one, man. I don't have a, I don't have a championship in my career. Uh, and, you know, I don't know how much that text sent him over the edge or what he was deciding. But, um, yeah, well, I'm just fortunate to yeah, that he signed here too and that we're going to get to play together together again. So that's that's really funny. And obviously I think he was getting it from some of the guys that he'd played with before, Wes Berg and Dane Doby, both former Roughnecks. And so I think you know the, the press was on to, to really build out this team. Uh, something you mentioned there in your pitch to him that you haven't won a championship before. And something that's been a theme with this team was that Brody Merrill, one of the all-time greats, hasn't won a championship yet. And there's a lot of pressure on his teammates. They, they want that for him. And I think, you know, being a veteran, I think that'll be there for you too. What's it like going into camp? How has it changed for you from being a younger player and as you become more and more veteran? Well, different coaches and different teams, right? If you have a younger team, you tend to have longer camps. Um, so, you know, a little shorter camp this year, more veteran groups, smaller numbers. You know, we want to get to we want to get to like our systems first training camp so that when you, you know, season comes around, you hit the ground running. Um, you know, there's not really going to be a lot of cuts or any, you know, players that won't be on the final roster, uh, which is nice and, and different than some camps I've been to. You know, some coaches will run you into the ground at camps. Uh, some will be, you know, like I said, more systematic base where it's not such a grueling camp, uh, which I prefer now, obviously. Uh, I'm, not, I'm not afraid of the work portion, but it's, uh, it's nice when you have guys who you know you're taking care of your body, right? You don't need to put these guys through the ringer in camp. And again, go back to that like winning pedigree, right? Like you know what, it, you, know what you have to do to make your body and, and mind at its best to perform. So, you, you know, coaches don't have to like beat that into you you know when you're a, a veteran group so most importantly and maybe you'll get a, a couple rounds in before the start of the season here uh give me a little breakdown of uh seals golf skills seals golf skill westberg trey leclerc i think they uh their drivers are illegal because they are pumping that ball out there 300 plus yards um so i'm gonna check their clubs uh very skilled your game mike I mean, you, you had a great first hole. I think it went downhill from there. I don't know what, what that was all about. Uh, a little consistency work. <laughs> yeah, I guess so, eh? Uh, yeah, the, uh, you know, Cam Holding, he can punch the ball out there sometimes. He spent a lot of time uh, playing Army golf, right? Left, right, left, right. Uh, my own game, dialed in. Haven't swung a club since uh, probably last year, but, you know. You were, you were hitting the ball... Good, good ways out there. I uh, when I was thirteen, I had a, a club membership, so I would go with my grandpa after school. So I played like I was a sixteen handicap when I was thirteen, and I'm nowhere near that now. I'm, uh, you know, probably closer to like a twenty-five or something. But uh, 
That, but that, that skills that's, they that's don't leave you. Right there. They that, don't that's leave absolutely you. sandbagging right there. Yeah, see, I'm setting us up for our next game. <laughs> I like it. But, you know, that is – there's probably not a better way to bond with teammates, and especially new teammates. And I know you know a lot of these guys through Team Canada and different things. But, like, you know, now you're teammates and you got a season ahead of you. Golf's probably, like, the best thing to do. Yeah, you get to spend four hours with, you know, really good people. Uh, and, you know, it's – I think from a business standpoint, you know, they always take people golfing and – you know, they say that you, it really reveals character too. So, you know, to have a couple, uh, have a couple brews on the. Did you see anybody dropping the ball out of their pant leg or anything oh, like that? Oh, everyone, lacrosse players. You know, they're they're gonna cheat. You got to know that. You know, it's just who can cheat the uh, who can cheat the best is gonna win the the round when you go out with the boys. <laughs> Good stuff. Well, Kevin, I really appreciate your time today. Welcome to San Diego. Appreciate you coming to San Diego, spending some time with everybody here on the team and uh, all the different content and activity stuff we've got going. Uh, best of luck this season, and we can't wait to see you on the floor. Yeah, appreciate it. Thanks for having me. Thank you.